Welcome to The Lending Bean, a podcast by Findu centered around the theme of effortless lending. We're glad you decided to join us. Recent events such as the pandemic, the war in Ukraine, rocketing energy prices, soaring interest rates and ongoing geopolitical tensions between China and the US show us that business is not facing a momentary inflection, but what appears to be a state of volatility that is becoming the new normal. How can financial institutions deal with this? Today, we're talking about resilience, the impact which it has on lenders, and what they can do in order to prosper in turbulent times. This is The Lending Bee. Hello, my name's Mike Cooper, and I'm your host for this conversation, and today I'm very pleased to be joined by Jamie Burdink and Frank Groot. Frank Groot is co-owner of SME lender Credion Nord and Midde Limburg and Souverain IFS. He's worked for many years in the banking industry, having worked for two major Dutch incumbent banks before joining Credion in 2017. Frank specializes in corporate finance, real estate, working capital, and mergers and acquisitions for small and medium-sized businesses. Great you could join us, Frank. My second guest is Jamie Burdink, who is business head at Findu, which is end-to-end cloud lending software. Findu is a product of European digital platform solutions provider Topicus. Jamie's background lies in the corporate finance, risk management, loan origination and management consultancy. And he has a passion for closing the lending gap. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you, Mike. Today, we're in the historical city of Leiden, which was founded in the year 1293, besieged by the Spanish army twice, and whose university was founded back in 1575. This episode of The Lending Bean is being recorded in the former Fire Brigade Hose Drying Tower, or Brandslangen Droogtoren, that's one word for you Dutch Scrabble players, in the heart of Leiden city centre. And before we dive deep into the topic of resilience, let's find out a little bit about our guests' hot drink habits, as is now the lending bean tradition, as the bean comes from from coffee bean. I'll start with you, Frank. Um, What drink helps you start your day? Uh, I need two cups of coffee, Minimum. Minimum before even starting your your day? Before starting reading the the newspaper and uh, starting the day. Right, excellent. And black, cappuccino? Black. Black, always? No, not always. Later in the day it will be a a double espresso. (laughs) Excellent, right. Uh, Definitely a coffee man. And some listeners may know the next answer, as, as Jamie has been on the show before. But welcome back, Jamie. Have your hot beverage habits changed recently? Uh, not at all. It's still black, strong, warm coffee. Black, strong, warm coffee. But, listeners, there was a bit of a problem this morning as Jamie's coffee machine broke down just before he was coming to, to Leiden. So um, uh, he has now um, uh, got extra refills on the way here <laughs> in order for us to have him at the right level of energy. So is that right, Jamie? That's, that's right. Yeah. Right. Well, let's get. thanks very much for that, gents. Um, let's now get down to the nitty-gritty uh, for today's, today's conversation on the topic of resilience. So I'd, I'd like to hit, hit this first question uh, straight to you, Frank, if you don't mind. Um, what external factors that are currently shaking up our world play a role in business lending from your point of view as a financial advisor? Um, that's very much, uh, actually, at this moment. Uh, yeah. So uh, b- uh, for the Netherlands, we have uh, uh, the elections coming. So uh, uh, we will see new measurements uh, next year. Right. Is that in November? That's in November. Right. 
and uh, for small and medium businesses, it's uh, it's unknown what it will be. Right. And uh, uh, that that's the the elections and the government, and then you see the uh, the, the interest rates uh, are uh, yeah rising very much uh, the the past year, mm. over three percent. And then uh, international, you see the the war in Ukraine, uh, gas prices. Uh, everything yeah. um i mean how are you let's say how, how are you uh, as an advisor frank dealing with that situation uh, and particularly with the interest rates what are you advising your clients what are they coming to you with how how do you how do you help them forward uh, when you uh, look to the history the interest rates are at a normal level at this time okay uh, <laughs> a longer bit longer history then lo- I no, longer history only the the past yeah, seven, eight years, it was very low. Right. But the time before, the interest rates were uh, on this level. So uh, I think we are going to a normal normalization of, uh, of the interest rates. Interesting. And uh, for companies, um, it, 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 it is, yeah, they have to deal with it, but it, it, is, it is a part of the costs. And uh, interest rates are a little part of the call. Okay, that's interesting. Um, uh, Jamie, do you, how does a financial technology company see interest rates? Does it affect your business? Does it affect your customers' business? Um, the, the latter, uh, definitely. Uh, it affects uh, our customers' business because if, if you delve into the dynamics and the behavior of, of financial institutions that, that engage with us to use uh, by using our platform, yeah. uh, data shows that it has substantial impact, you know, um, and and to 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 give you some real world examples, mm. uh, that's again uh, about the interest hikes. Um, uh, what we witnessed was a remarkable drop in loan approval rates when uh, at, at first time the interest rates were um, uh, that they increased, and to put it into perspective. Prior to these rate hikes, the approval rate for SME loans was, uh, uh, at least that is in our data, uh, around 80%. So then it's already a qualified, let's say, uh, uh, a loan request. Uh, But if it comes in at a financial institution, the average approval rate was around 80%. However, come last July, uh, it has nosedived to a mere 51%. So that's wow, that's a that's a big difference. That's what the d- d- data says, and that's where you can see, I think, a very big, big thing kicking in uh, when when central banks are, uh, yeah, uh, increasing increasing loan rates. Yeah, it's like a twenty nine percent drop. Have you seen that from your from your portfolio of clients, Frank? Have you have you noticed that effect? I noticed that effect uh, uh, at the at the large banks, but uh, we work with over a hundred uh, uh, debt. Uh, agencies and right. when you see to 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 other uh, uh, lenders, uh, there are more flexible lenders. Uh, the 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 big banks are looking to uh, balance sheets f- uh, of twenty twenty two. Right, but there are uh, many uh, companies who look to actual data, um, and yeah, then I think uh, they will do it. Uh, they will, will will approve the loans because they uh, they see how a company works till today.
Right, so they have more. They have more up to date data, or, more or is data. it because the incumbent banks are slow and not very agile, uh, Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> um, or are you not allowed to say? Uh, no, yeah. Well, uh, I think I partially agree with you, Frank, because uh, either being a alternative financier or uh, an incumbent bank or whatsoever, big or large, all do have underwriting criteria, right? So, uh, I think uh, at Almost any financial institution, uh, a financing party, we see that debt service coverage ratio is an important thing, right? Uh, so the ability to repay the loan and the cost of the loan. And what I think is a natural reflex of financial institutions when uh, interest rates increase or are hiking, they're also lining up with their underwriting criteria. So they become more strict on accepting loans. Uh, even uh, uh, going after a higher DSCR, debt service coverage ratio, than before when interest rates are lower. So that that already comes in with a higher, I think, drop in uh, acceptance rates. Of course, I think you're true that um, um, that the incumbent banks, and of course they have the biggest market share right? Uh, still, so that's why I think they impact the... The society the most in this and in perhaps this sense. the numbers as well yeah it's uh, banging with numbers over here but um i think uh, last year we did 80 uh, percent of our businesses with the large banks but uh, this year i think it dropped to 50 percent. oh that's very interesting so that's almost 80 to 50 the same ratio and as approval. when i look to the acceptance rate uh, almost everything we deal with is accepted <laughs> Tell us more about those alternative finances. So you move from the major institutions to what, what type of financing then? Uh, data-driven uh, finances. Uh, right. Uh, New10 is, uh, is an example. And New10 is a branch of ABN uh, AMRO. And ABN AMRO uh, does look to the to the balance sheets of uh, the past year. So that's another approach. Now, yeah. Do, do you see that as well from here? Where's your sitting, Jamie? Or is that, I mean, we, we have discussed in earlier podcasts about these alternative financing and the methods of financing small and medium-sized businesses. But um, uh, how does Findu see that? Um, landscape from from where you sit. Well, in fact, we we um, we support uh, many different kind of financial institutions, ranging from 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 retail lenders in in embedded financial services up to and including, let's say, sort of the niche uh, uh, um, specialized lenders like 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 uh, BNG Bank or ING. Uh, so, and anything in between. And of course, you see uh, much differences in, in uh, different lenders, you know. Uh, of course, if you have a bigger bank, that's, I think, a, a bit of, 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 of a more stressful process to change policies, to, 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 to adapt your strategy yeah. uh, to, to changing market circumstances. So definitely, yes, that's, that's true. And um, in many cases, alternative uh, financiers like New10 or there are a bunch of them, mm-hmm. Uh, are a bit more agile in in changing and adapting to uh, the new reality. So that's definitely true. But at the end of the day, uh, Frank, and I'm uh, very interested in your opinion about that, um, as a a lender, of course, you have to uh, take care of the fact that your client should be able to repay his loan. And maybe that would be... Let's not put too much, much emphasis on this specific topic, uh, however, that's not you cannot close your eyes for that one because if you say okay, we do just the open banking thing, we do some some analysis on bank transactions, and well, it somehow uh, fits within uh, our policies. Um, I think uh, specifically when when uh, circumstances uh, are changing, 
your obligation, your, your societal, um, let's say, impact should be even be more uh, visible um, because you have to take care of the fact that uh, we all know what happened when, uh, when well, the, 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 the sky was uh, clear, uh, the sun was shining. And the interest rate was zero. Well, almost zero. Um, uh, but, but getting back to, to, to take care of your customers, like the, 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 the duty of care, um, you should not forget that part because... Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Jeremy, but are you, are, you, are you implying that the loans which Frank has seen coming in from alternative financiers might be riskier than the loans provided by the incumbents? Well... At the end of the day, only numbers will uh, make sure that, that that is the case. They're obviously using different data yep. to, um, upon which they base Agree. the um, credit worthiness of a, a small or medium-sized business. Is, is it not so that the, the loan business is changing to look at different numbers to see whether loans are approved? Is that what you're seeing, Frank? That's what I'm seeing, but uh, I, I don't agree uh, about the acceptance and the risk you see in uh, the loans from the alternative parties. They, some of the parties gives us uh, um, uh, analysis, analysis of the checks. And when we look to that, we give, they are giving us so much information uh, that I, even I don't see that in an annual report. Uh, they, they see every transaction on the bank. That is so much information. Do they miss a payment to uh, to to uh, the landlord, for example, landlord or yeah. everything they see? So you're almost saying uh, that the statements which the new types of financiers are using to base their loan approvals on give more information than than the than the incumbent banks. Uh, uh, That's data? what I'm saying. But uh, I agree. You have to look to to everything. Uh, you have to see uh, every obligation in the company, uh, the repayments, uh, everything, and then you have to look: is it yeah, uh, is and it good and or not? And let's make sure I don't debate uh, uh, alternative uh, data sources or alternative underwriting methods. Uh, yeah. In, in fact, I really encourage them because I think you're much shorter on the ball when 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 going after, let's say, data from today or yesterday instead of uh, a year ago. So, so I don't debate that. However, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's more in the underwriting criteria, not so much in the way you are uh, assessing it. That, that, that right. I point. don't think we're going to agree on this one, so <laughs> I think we're going to move on. But I think it's, an, it's a lively discussion for sure, and very interesting, particularly in the world of, of you know, when the, when the banking world is changing and, and the lending world is changing, then, then different parties will have different criteria. So, um, and let's, let's park that one for the moment, shall we? into the next in the next question which I believe um, might also promote a, a lively discussion um, what can lenders do so we're back to the lenders again but what can lenders do in order to build a resilient portfolio for themselves yeah it's a very difficult question uh, the lenders are always looking toward the, uh, yeah, their uh, loan given default eh? so uh, uh, to, to the loans and the um, yeah, what what is exposed when it when you get a default, and um, uh, there are so many circumstances they have to look at, but how can they make uh, the resilience better? I don't know. Uh, they 
they have very large risk parties at at, at the banks. Eh? So right. So uh, yeah, they have entire risk departments, risk right? Departments, they yeah. they they have uh, risk analysis. They have uh, credit risk from from every type of risk. But are there specific ways which I mean, you've been mentioning they're dealing with smaller parties, uh, the new financiers. Um, uh, they are presumably also more vulnerable in times when 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 in when things are moving around. I mean, do they do they um, change uh, their policies on, for example, a risk assessment, pricing, or collateralization? Do you think? Uh, I don't think uh, they do. Um, I think the 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 norms for uh, for financing, uh, the debt coverage ratio, interest coverage ratio, are the same as uh, last year or two years ago. Right. Um, but when you look to the to the to the world, something has changed. Yeah. And uh, um, they are they are looking more to the to the market circumstances. Uh, yeah. Is it is it a shop or is it a, a wholesaler? Uh, yeah, that's nothing about an ECR or an DSCR. It's more about what 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 is the market and circumstances and what what, what did we expect? Right. And that's what uh, uh, what what the banks and the risk departments are looking at at this right. moment. Right. I mean, do you see it anywhere different from your point of view, Jamie? Do you, how would you uh, you know if you had a, a lender at your table, how would you advise that lender to be become more resilient? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, we often do have lenders at, at the table, so um, but I think that's a good a good question. You know, um, I think uh, when it comes to resilience, it's it's all about gearing up for the curveballs that life throws to you. Right. You know, you cannot always uh, control the uh, the things that you can impact, can't impact, so to say. Right. Um, and uh, I think that there's a couple of examples that I would like to introduce. Sure. So. Um, uh, um, one is diversification, you know, um, diversification and matching uh, demand and supply profiles. I, I think I have an example that we all do know, and that's Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon Valley Bank, yes. We all do know Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, and this example touches upon both the, the, the bank perspective, but also the, the client's resilience side, I guess. Um, and yeah, I think the, the, the big question here is, what led them to stumble and tumble? Well, yes, indeed. So what did? What did, yeah. Well, they were knee deep into, let's say, sort of risky uh, investments. You know, they were very much into uh, tech companies, startups. Uh, yeah. So usually, um, the, the, I think, yeah, like venture capitalists, yeah. uh, th that is very much the terrain where venture capitalists like to dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I seem to recall in an earlier podcast that we had, when I think you were there as well, when Chris Skinner was at the table, he also mentioned the, the Silicon Valley Bank case, and he said also that their assets were tied up in much in like long-term uh, loans, which means, meant they could not get any liquidity when they needed it. That's exactly what happens. So if you have a venture capitalist, they brace themselves for maybe setbacks, you know? They expect even setbacks, but... Right. How Silicon Valley Bank was funded, that was by uh, uh, customers holding a deposito at, at Silicon Valley Bank. Right. Yeah, and when the word got out that SVB had to take uh, a hit on those investments, on those risky-ish investments, yeah. total panic ensued. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, all yeah. those uh, deposito clients uh, started to withdraw their balances. Yeah, and before you know it, SVB found itself in a full-on liquidity showdown. Right. It's, I think, uh, all about finding balance between stability and risk, you know. And 
yeah, to keep such a financial fun house together, uh, uh, it would have been a consideration to diversify. So not only in tech startups or tech companies, but also I think a little bit in yeah maybe some 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 let's let's say venture uh, investments, but not only on one specific domain. So if you diversify your portfolio, I think yeah. you're much more resilient for setbacks. I mean, already. and how do you then analyze that? Are they, do they need to uh, like get some better tools for an- analyzing their 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 risk? <laughs> well, to to have a have a clear view on the the risks uh, that 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 are probably in your portfolio, of course, you have to get things in order. Right. That's that's all about data logistics, about data lineage, um, um, uh, which then enables you as a lender to build up portfolio data yeah and what we always like to say is you don't know what you don't know uh so um uh, there's no excuse to not uh, get yourself informed as a lender you know there's there's plenty of data there's a wealth of data um if you get things right in 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 terms of the data logistics parts then that enables you to do instant slicing and dicing on your portfolio yeah so what happens if interest rates hikes what happens if the value of real estate drops? Yeah. What happens? Uh, well, did this actually happened? The Ukraine war. But if you have your credit file in order and you see that, that there's a relation, uh, maybe in 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 trade finance between different countries. Yeah. If you cut off those lines, that definitely has an impact on on uh, the quality of your portfolio. So yeah, indeed. Yeah, I mean, th- th- obviously, that's that's um, what major financial institutions uh, certainly need to look at. Perhaps, Frank, your client base is more small and medium-sized businesses in in the Netherlands, I believe. Um, if a client comes to you, how would you advise that customer to build resilience for themselves? Uh, yeah, you have to look to uh, to uh, uh, opportunities in your surrounding um, on everything. Yeah. So your uh, your customers, your uh, employees, uh, your location, and uh, you have to to look at it uh, critical mm. at all times. And you see, uh, last year uh, we we saw an, an uh, a rise of the energy prices. Yeah. So everything was looking for what are, what do you have to do, and uh, the 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 banks asked us to to write. A lot about how our customers dealing with the energy prices. It's very normal. Yeah. At this time, it's not a question. They, right. They, it's normalized. Right. But it can be that next month the prices are rising, and we have to write uh, a lot about about the energy prices for a customer. Yeah. But uh, an entrepreneur always have to look to that. Yeah, and it's a little like what Jamie was saying. You have to be able to almost not not predict the future, but be ready for these yes. shocks, which we've been talked about in our introduction. Uh, the same for an entrepreneur as for a financial institution. But if if a, if a business comes to you and says, "Look, what do I do? How do I prepare for shocks? Uh, what what advice do you give them?" Um, yeah, look very critical to your to to everything. It can happen. Yeah, um, and. Uh, look to the history. Many companies exist for a long time, yeah. and uh, um, they have good times and they had bad times. And so we have to look: how do they come to the bad times? Right. Uh, what the did they do in, in the past? But they did do it in the past. Yeah. Um, many companies don't have to do things very different 
but uh, have to be themselves. Right. As you were saying at the beginning, these are normal interest rates, which I was like, huh? <laughs> but of course, so that's an example of looking further back in history, yeah. as well as looking to like yesterday in terms of their, uh, the data in terms of their, of their financial situation. I think uh, that the, the, the getting in control of the business on the one hand, on your hand, Frank, and getting hold of the 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 portfolios uh, you were talking about jamie are the are the two ways to to avoid big hits from from black swans as it were although uh, i don't think we've got the uh, the the cure to all this uh, at this table but at the same time uh, this the idea of being resilient is the idea of being flexible is it not yeah i think that 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 is one major um uh thing or a major ingredient to Prepare yourself to be a resilience. Right. Um, I'm now moving on to the dilemma, which is a statement which I'm going to read to both of you guys. Uh, and you can respond from, from your own positions, from your own points of view. Traditional financial institutions with a broad portfolio are actually more resilient than hyper-focused fintech companies in the face of future turbulence. Well, I would say in general, incumbent banks by nature, do have a more diversified portfolio already. Um, so um, I think they are a bit better equipped to let the money flow to, let's say, uh, resilient destinations. Right. You know? So if, for example, real estate is not going so well for, for, for a period or whatever, then of course you can tune that to maybe uh, another sector which you're active in as well. So that gives them, I think, a bit of a head start. However, if you compare that then again with the more fintech-like financial institutions or, or alternative finance companies, yeah. I think they are a bit more adaptive or, or, or agile to, yeah. to respond to uh, changing circumstances. Yeah, so it's like the agile, fast mover as opposed to the big lumbering dinosaur. Exactly, yeah. They're... Um, well, we always say, <coughs> as a financial institution, you have to comply with many rules and regulations. So we often call that the seven plagues that you have. The seven plagues? The seven oh, plagues. Could you, could you elaborate? Well, uh, as a financial it, it's hard to be a financial institution nowadays because you have to do uh, like uh, uh, product approval committees, you have to do risk approval committees, you have to do a legal check, you have to do, well... Uh, like seven things that you, seven hurdles that you have to overcome. Right. Before all, being all in, sorry to interrupt you, but all coming from the regulator. Many coming from the regulator, yeah, because of course they became more strict in the past few years, which on the one hand is a very positive thing because at the end of the day that, that should benefit society somehow. Yeah. However, uh, uh, launching a new product that's that's no longer a matter of a technical impediment or uh, uh, not being able to to draft a strategy to go there that's much more into 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 let's say internal and external policies mm. so um, and that's maybe uh, a bit less if you are sort of a smaller sized financial institution yeah more agile more agile and and um, yeah just to get that discussion to get it working that that's I think yeah, because Frank was mentioning, you were mentioning on, on that loan, loan approval portfolio that you saw that switch happening between the incumbents and the more agile the financial yes. parties. Yes. Uh, does, that, does that say to us that actually um, the newer parties may be more resilient on that level, on the level of uh, providing loans? Um, maybe, but the... Uh, the, the, the 
the financial institutions in the Netherlands, like uh, the, the Rabobank, ING, ABN, uh, has made uh, a, a policy for the SME companies. Eh? Right. I work for the SME companies. Yeah. And um, yeah, they don't say it, but uh, they don't want small loans. And they, they want, yeah, uh, they want loans, the big tickets. Uh, big tickets. Yeah. So from, uh, uh, from uh, 250,000 up, they, they will look at it. They will talk to you. They will talk with me. And uh, uh, for smaller amounts, they, they push the customers to fintechs. And the amount, now 250,000 euros, is not on paper, but we see the past years that, that, that's, that increases every year. Right. Um, and yeah, so the fintechs are becoming more, uh, more and more uh, parties we, we have to deal with. Right, right. And that would probably, presumably, make them more resilient. I mean, is this something which... which I, I think so. When they, they have more data... Yeah. They, they, they have to be more resilient and they have uh, to make diversification in markets, uh, locations. and uh, they, they will have to, to, to pay a price uh, maybe at some time. But, uh, right. Ah, interesting. Uh, Jamie, have you seen any of the, have you seen this like cutoff between, oh, no, we don't want you, you're too small uh, in terms of loan portfolios? Is that something which you've, which you've heard about or come across? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. And, um, well, to, to put it this way, uh, we can just, of course, say, okay, they're just pushing that kind of clients away. Uh, I know uh, it's not, well, let, let's say I know it's not that easy to just um, assign your, uh, your, your your propositions to, to smaller tickets. And uh, because from sidelines, it's always easy to, to say, okay, you're doing it not right. But what you see is that I think the incumbent banks all do have started their own fintech. Right, which I think was quite successfully. You just uh, named a few, um, uh, Frank, and um, I believe they did their job quite well. I think the idea initially was to set up such a fintech, which is able to do, to do, um, well, to, to 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 go after a strategy not being impeded by that big, 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 big bank which is behind it. So. They did, again, quite a, a good job. But the idea initially was to, if we are able to to do that kind of, of banking uh, and then bring it back to that incumbent bank, yeah. um, well, we, we have the best of both worlds. However, you see that their incumbent banks are having hard times because being a fintech alternative player is, is, is a very different play than, than doing sort of the more incumbent traditional banking, you know? So... Um, uh, however, I would say that that's even not an excuse to 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 go after the smaller tickets, after SMEs or micro and small uh, medium enterprises as well, because still that's a very uh, important, maybe the most important uh, uh, population or, or kinds of, of organizations fostering economy. Uh, right, tomorrow is big, big business, uh, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit too easy to say, okay, if it's not more than 100k or maybe 250, I don't know the exact cutoffs, but then go after a credit card or, or go to uh, uh, go to a fintech. Mm. That, that's uh, that's that's too easy. That's too uh, easy. far too easy for yes. me. Yeah, interesting. Well, we, we're not quite. Out, the jury is still out then on our on our dilemma statement. So we don't. We're not quite sure whether fintechs are more agile than traditional banks. But I think we've got some interesting insights there from you guys. Thanks a lot. Um, 
Now, a little more personal question. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you first, Jamie. What are you doing to be more resilient? And I don't mean in terms of your coffee machine. At <laughs> <laughs> because there's obviously a resilience oh, problem yeah. with that coffee machine. Yeah. But you're heading Findu uh, cloud lending software. And what makes the technology interesting from a resilience perspective? Uh, that, that, I guess, touches upon different things. But, but yeah, maybe to give you some examples, of course, we had COVID. We all had COVID. Well, uh, um, uh, as, as, as the, 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 the effects of the pandemic, of course. Mm-hmm. And already back in the days, I, can, I think we can say that by now, back in the days, there was a state-guaranteed uh, loan uh, opportunity for, for, for companies. You know much about it, Frank. And um, However, it all comes with uh, how much space you can make as a financial institution. So I think the technology that we deliver to banks is very much equipped to to go fast, to be adaptive, because I think we launched that then sudden, all of a sudden it, it can be because regulators are less strict than, than usually. So right. it's okay, do not the seven plague thing, just go, go, go. Yeah. Um, but then I think we were in, in, in about two or three days, we were ready to provide these state guaranteed loans for, for a financial institution. So wow. that's about that's activity. Fast. That's fast. Uh, I believe uh, because we are also quite active in corporate banking, also banking. And there, of course, it's key to, to have data logistics, data lineage. Um, 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 yeah. Working. Um, so also uh, deriving portfolio insights based on yeah sound uh, clear data structures mm-hmm. is what makes us maybe um, maybe a partner to to provide you with these insights and to just to 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 use such intelligence as how to steer your financial company how to maybe refine your strategy a bit to to be to be ready when uh, the unexpected unfolds. Right, when the, when the black swan flies over. When the black swan flies over. Frank, you're advising clients on financing. Um, how, how are you changing your business to deal with the current situation, to be more resilient in future crises? Yeah, we have to change our businesses, uh, especially uh, this year, uh, because of the higher interests, uh, but also the, the changes in, uh, in, uh, in rules for... Uh, especially the, the real estate. Right. Uh, I think normally we did uh, 60% of our businesses in, in real estate uh, finances. And uh, yeah, this year it's maybe 10%. Uh, uh, not only because of the, 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 the interest rates, but also uh, the discussions in the Netherlands about uh, how much rent can I ask for, a, for an apartment or... Uh, how can I make my uh, my apartment sustainable for the future? Uh, right. What do I have to do for for investments? And uh, yeah, that's that's. So we had to change our businesses. Right. And so you uh, moved from. Sorry to interrupt you, but you you moved from real estate. You you reduced your real estate portfolio. What came? Uh, what did you no, increase? We we, we don't, don't reduce it by ourse- by ourselves, but our customers don't ask ask uh, oh, uh, loans for this year. Right. There are no transactions on the real estate market of or less transactions. Yeah, right. That, that's so how are you? How are you? And the market uh, will accept the, the new interest rates and prices will normalize. And I think in the future it, it, we will see more uh, transactions. But at this moment, it decreased a lot. 
Right. So we are looking to to other loans for for companies uh, financing uh, tax uh, the taxes or. Uh, but please diversify. <laughs> uh, diversify. Yeah, so yes. you, adapt, you you basically adapt to the yeah. new situation very fast. Yes. So keeping agile. Yes. Well, thanks very much, gentlemen. I'm afraid we've come to the end of this edition of The Lending Bean. Um, we hope you enjoyed this discussion on resilience. And I'd like to say thanks a lot to, to both of our guests, Jamie Burding. Thank you, Mike. And Frank Rode. Thank you. And also thanks to everyone here behind the scenes at the former Fire Brigade Hose Drying Tower in Leiden. Uh, this podcast was brought to you by Findu, which is end-to-end cloud lending software. That's all from me, Mike Cooper, for this episode. Check out the show notes if you'd like more information on the topics we discussed. We hope you'll follow, like, and five-star rate this show. And you can subscribe to it wherever you normally get your podcasts. Meanwhile, stay safe and stay solvent. We hope you'll join us again for the next edition of The Lending Bean. Thank you.